the context of sound. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I feel like we're always chuckling in the beginning. I know. I was just like, I was uh, not prepared. I just, I got a new, um, I'm a big fan of sparkling water in general. And I'll try any sparkling water that I can get my hands on. I love hands sparkling on. water. Uh, and Smart Water just released a new sparkling water version. And I picked it up. Uh, not like I heard about it. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, it was like, I'm really plugged into the... the you guys, it just dropped. It just dropped. Uh, I'm a webmaster over at sparklingwaterfanatics.com. So we really have like a release. No. Um, but anyways, all that to say, it's I don't think it's all that good. And I'm a little disappointed. So no tangents will be brought to you. No tangents will be brought to you by Smart Water. Sparkling. Whatsoever. No, um, zero. I don't want to be associated with that. And uh, I think it would be bad for... For our brand. Um, anyhow, how's it going? It's going good. Um, besides, I guess, like... Everything. Yeah. Pretty much. I mean, the world, yeah. America, still a dumpster fire. Still a dumpster fire. Still um, just a racist hellhole for a lot of people. It's, it's but, uh, what no, a time to be alive. When <laughs> <laughs> anyone, anytime I say something that I say will need to be deleted, will inevitably we'll just stay in. Not be deleted. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's been a lot um, of shit going on. There's been on. a lot of shit going on. Um, but hey, but you we're know, here to bring some. We're here to bring some uh, music, some light, some, some comedy, yeah, some it, joy. That's what we do, or try to do at least. It is what we do. Um, we have, uh, are there any updates that we should talk about? Oh, um, oh, by the way, thank you so much to all the people that, um, emailed. that reached out yeah. and emailed and contacted us to volunteer your services to, to help with the playlist. And, and, all that uh, and that's amazing. We yeah. have, um, we now have a new, uh, uh playlist supervisor. Yes. Our musical supervisor. Um, Ayana Butler. Ayana. Shout outs um, to Ayana. Thank you so much. Yeah. She's the best. She's super cute. She's and adorable. And she's going to be doing the playlist for yeah, us. So, so, um, thanks for yay. that. Yay. Cool. And, um, what else? I mean, we went, it's pride month. It is pride month. Happy pride to everybody. Happy pride. So, um, we had some cute. We had some real fun. Oh, um, you went to see Brandy at I LA Pride. I did go see Brandy at LA Pride. It's it was my first time seeing Brandy. Uh, I am a gigantic Brandy stand from like as long as I can remember. She's amazing. Uh, she is unbelievable. I I was uh, I mean I couldn't have asked for I mean a better tone. performance. Just. No one has it like her. She just has the just like just beautiful tone. When when the show is over, my sister and I were just kind of like fangirling about it, uh, back and forth. She has so many songs too, like so she many has great so songs, many hits, catalog, tone, everything, hair. hair. I mean, and then like a face that has not moved an inch, a centimeter mm-hmm. in twenty years. I mean, she has eye width. Oh god, cheekbones. <laughs> I mean. She does have great. I mean, she she just killed it. She was unbelievable. She was funny. Um, I've seen her live, and just she's great. Flouncing across the stage, and she loves to pummel across the stage oh, in a pair of heels and switch did. that hair around. She was. I mean, like a drag queen destroying that stage. <laughs> she was. Um, she loves her crowd participation. Um, she was just great, and I was just reminded of the fact that you know, like everybody kind of is trying to sing like Brandy now. Um, yeah. 
just like listening to all of her songs and just general and generally generally like the way in which she like her like in general her tone is just like unmatched. No one can do what she can do. Uh, she was perfect. She was everything. Um, I was like super into it. I was. I only <clears throat> went there to see Brandy. I showed up like twenty minutes beforehand. I left immediately afterwards. But yeah. Uh, she she killed it. She was she was great. But yeah, my mom and my sister came to town, so it was fun. Hey, it was fun so cute. to have them there Love for your the mom show. And your sister. Yeah. Um we I went to Adam Lambert's house while you were doing that and he had a little like shindig and um he played me so he's about to go on tour with Queen, which I'm I'm excited. I'm gonna go see him at That'll be the fun. Hollywood Bowl. And <clears throat> I mean, he sings his ass off. He really does sing his ass off. He really just does. He <laughs> yeah. just sings his ass off. And I went and he played me some of his new material and it's so good. Yeah. It's like, I think the best stuff he's ever done and it's like really him. And yeah. it's, and, um, that's exciting. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, I'm, I feel like, yeah. He's just doing what he wants doing what to, to do. do. And that's like great. Doing Whatever. What the label. Yeah. Telling him. So, yeah. That's exciting. He's singing his ass off. When is uh, his new stuff? Uh, gonna be dropping do you know i think soon okay yeah yeah and he's um, touring with queen with queen i mean he's summer. in queen it's like the best he, yeah he's the best gig he really does just like really <laughs> casual like oh yeah it's kind of like my side like project like i don't know if you've heard of <laughs> it's them called it's queen. called queen it's like i don't know it's just like something that i'm kind of into right <laughs> it's now it's a big deal it's, <laughs> it's, it's okay it's deal. like whatever <laughs> they have a couple of songs yeah i mean you might have heard them you might not have <laughs> um and then we went we went to the standard nomi ruiz's djing yes that and was a lot came of fun. On and that was really cute. Yeah, there was, was a lot of muscle marries. There, it was the, that was my favorite part about it was just seeing you know my mom like just surrounded by all of these like you, like these little 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 like tight bodied gays and speedos. these body queens. I mean, just there was first of all, or maybe not, <laughs> maybe second of all. I've never seen so many butt implants there on was, men. I. There were so many that I when didn't... When did all these dudes start getting ass implants? It's just, I don't know why. And some of them were so outrageous. There was just one dude, I don't know who he was. Oh, I know exactly you who you're talking, talking about. I was like, does he have like muscular dystrophy or something? <laughs> like, his ass was so far his out from like... His ass was like swaying his whole body out just, of proportion. It didn't look right. It was like, there's something wrong there. Um, yeah, there were a lot of a lot of really weird ass implants. I wonder if he does drag on the side that or something. That might, it has to be. Like, like a, if you saw like Trinity Taylor at, yeah. like at a at a pool party, like what is going on with her body? There? But then it would make sense. Yes, that I didn't even think about that. That's probably it. I should hope I so because so. there's no other way that that would make any sense. I mean, not that we're judging, but I know, we, not at all. We're so judgy. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag judgy. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag judgy. Yeah. Um, okay, so it is Pride Month. It is Pride Month. And we're going to do um, an LGBT special. Um, we're going to do an artist from each of those Four letters. main, not not main groups in the sense that like everyone else, it doesn't matter, but like in the LGBT. I mean, we're not doing questioning because you're still figuring it out and yeah. we don't know who you are really. Yeah. Um, intersex, I think, can oftentimes, and I don't want to like, I mean... Isn't that, that's what the I, I, the, the I yeah, yeah. stands for. Uh, and then, you know, obviously asexual. Um, not to, like, be dismissive Could have done Morrissey. We could have done that. <laughs> could have done a lot of people. <laughs> not to be particularly dismissive of any of those people, because just to know that everyone does matter, that representation does matter. Um, but for today, we are just doing um, 
the a, L, the, the G, LG, the B, the, the T, T, the D, the I, um, the D, the D, the Y. <laughs> but I believe in, in a lot of these stories, there are individuals um, that um, were parts of communities with people who were intersex, who were also asexual and other things like that. So, I mean, their success and their sto- or their stories in general, I think, impacted and included people across all sort of gender and sexual spectrums. There's, such, there's not a lot of visibility in the in the sex community, which is, I mean, there's a lot of intersex people. A lot, yeah. Um, and I think there are some people, and I, I know that, you know, I'm obviously not trying to speak for intersex people, but I think there are some people who are intersex who don't necessarily want to be included in that um, specific classification within, like, the queer community, right. which I understand. Um, uh, but also I think there are plenty of people who, who feel very much so a part of that, that community. Um, I think that it just kind of comes down into, you know, self classification and how you want to do that yourself and everyone's entitled to that. So, um, but so, yeah, I I don't know. How do you, I guess we should probably, I don't know if we want to start like, should we do them in order? Yeah. L G B T. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, in general, uh, being queer and being in in the music industry is it's rough. It's it's rough, and it's also just kind of always been a thing, um, and so much of you know when it comes down to the music that we appreciate, the music that we love, um, the culture that's attached to it, um, we do owe a great debt of that to queer artists and musicians and producers and and all these different types of people whom you know um, really helped set the tone um and the person that i wanted yeah. to talk about today um for like the sort of lesbian grouping of uh the section section is this lady named gladys bentley <clears throat> i don't know if you've ever wow, heard of her i've never heard of gladys bentley i'm really excited to i've kind of picked some some lesser like less obvious people yeah as me well. too me too so um so gladys uh i came to know who she was uh, because they called her the bull dagger of blues. <laughs> and <laughs> um, when you read her story and know the time in which she like existed or, or sort of was, was working in and was somebody who was like well known, um, and especially within the timeline and the sort of the eras in which she was active, it's pretty fucking impressive to, to know that she was so, um, um, out and proud of, of of her sort of otherness, her queerness. When um, was her heyday? So she was born in 1907. Wow. So she was a big part of the Harlem Renaissance uh, crew. Um, mm. So obviously in the blues scene in the early 20s, uh, specifically in Harlem. Um, so like Cotton Club kind yeah, of? Cotton Club. She was at like um, the Ubanji Club. And yes, for that name. I know, right? I wonder if that, Ooh. like, Ubanji, that's what, Ubanji Club. Ooh, uh, yes. So, they're, I really do like that. There's a Cotton Club, a bunch of different, Mona's Club, 440. Um, I'll kind of just, like, go quickly into a little bit of of her backstory. Um, she was born in, in Pennsylvania. Um, she was kind of, she, she, she said that you know from an early age she knew that she was queer, um, or she was gay, she was gay. Um, she says it seems that I was born different. At least I always thought so. From the time I can remember anything, even as I was toddling, I never wanted a man to touch me. 
so I soon began to feel more comfortable in boys' clothes and in dresses. And that came to kind of be a part of her um, sort of stage presentation. She kind of came to prominence in the club scene uh, because uh, she got a job originally when she moved to Harlem uh, playing the piano, but they were requesting a male pianist, so she just would show up in like this like dope ass white tuxedo with like a top <laughs> hat and like a cummerbund and everything like that and she would play the fuck out of the piano and she became wow. like a mainstay there um i'll play a couple of her songs that are recorded um she's got a lot of music available um but it's not necessarily like 100 aligned with like her stage show because her stage show was like very raunchy she would never release that really? stuff oh yeah because she would la- basically takes really really well-known like blues standards and like make them about like girls and sex and raunchy weird shit um and then she was always i love how the 20s was yeah y- you know there's like always periods of <clears throat> conservatism yeah and then periods of like yeah wild freedom and stuff so like the twenties was it, the they 20s were, was wild. They were. I mean, like when when she moved to to Harlem in the early twenties, or um, I think it was nineteen seventeen or something like that. It would <clears throat> um, there were you know a tons of like speakeasies and, and bars and everything. Middle of prohibition. This mm. is kind of when that kind of subcultural movement, specifically in um, in uh, in Harlem, because. Uh, what ended up happening, um, particularly after, you know, like World War um, One, whereas like all these, you know, African-American servicemen had gone to Europe and, you know, experienced like kind of like almost like like what equality would look like. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't have to like live this life that, you know, my grandparents, my parents, my great grandparents, uh, you know, with what they experienced as being or they accepted as being normal. Um, that kind of like oppressed st- like state, mm. uh, specifically largely in, in the South. And so many people after the war moved up to the cities because they were like, oh, in the North, obviously this is, you know, the big black migration into cities like New York City, Detroit, Chicago, places like that. They moved up there because there were more opportunities for African-Americans to live a life that they want mm. because they could build their own communities in these cities. Uh, and that was kind of what Harlem was. But Harlem kind of became the, the spot for... Um, the kind of more countercultural, like African Americans. Mm. So, like, I mean, obviously, that's where the Harlem Renaissance it was came like in. So, the cultural hub, the cultural hub yeah. of what was created, what was you know, like a black, you know, uh, the black experience. But uh, in a large part of that um, was a sort of growth of the blues within that city, and so much of the the music that the blues musicians were doing then um, definitely kind of like. Uh, included uh, a, a large degree of queerness and and that that was kind of how um Gladys's uh career kind of fit in because there were so there's so many like songs um about um kind of just like gay men or gay women or whatever that you know are actual blue standards from like the song um shit why am I forgetting the name of it it's Sissy Man Blues I think it is <laughs> have you ever heard of that no, but I definitely need to. I'm actually just going to play it because I haven't heard that one in a long time, but I was just thinking of it earlier and I wrote it down. <clears throat> Love a sissy man blues. <laughs> it's a song that like has actually been like covered a ton over the years. Obviously, it's kind of like a blues standard. 
Um, but here's one that I'm finding on Spotify. It's kind of just like it's Apex is saying that if he can't find a woman, I'm just gonna find me a sissy man. Um, and wait, yeah, that's like a line. I need to like. He says if I can't find me a let's, woman, let's, let's get to it. Because I could have just finished playing it. I bet some old dirty deacon stole my good gal and gone. Okay, someone stole his woman. Yeah, the church deacon. You church always deacon. know you can't trust church deacons. <laughs> <laughs> or deaconesses, especially deaconesses. <laughs> I woke up this morning with my troubles in my hand. I woke up this morning with my business in my hand. My business in my yeah, hand. Yeah, my trouble, my business. He's talking you about a boner. Bring me a Oh, I know what business means. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that was the, if you can't bring me a woman, bring me a sissy man. Um, so all that to say, that's like a prime example of just kind of how the blues and that specific cult- cultural kind of, which which was like with a predominant sort of like scene in Harlem. Like it was pretty relaxed when it came down to sort of like sexual orientation mm-hmm. and sexuality in general. And I think that's largely why Gladys became such a big deal. Um Here's I'll actually play one of her songs now. <laughs> I've heard about your lover, your pimps and brown. I've heard about your sheep and hand me down. I've got a man I've loved now. Now he treats me like a darn stepchild. One time he said my sugar was so sweet. But now for his dessert he goes across the street. How much of that stuff can I stand? <laughs> yes. So I love that's a vocal yeah, trumpet. that's uh, that's Gladys. Here's like I wanted to show you a picture of her. She's yes. like such a boss. Um, but that was like kind of her. So like I said earlier, she like she became well known as being like this very masculine kind of cross dressing woman. When was Bessie? Bessie was, she was like a bit they were later. pretty. They, yeah, they they were kind of contemporaries on the okay. tail end of her. Um, I wonder if they ever had a thing. Uh, I there's actually a really interesting quote that I found of Bessie talking about. Um, talking about um, um, why did I forget? Oh, Gladys! I was like, talk. <laughs> what the hell is her name? Talking about Gladys. Um, well, let me see if I can find it. Um, okay, I'll need to find that later. I'm not gonna look for it right now, but I guess I'll just edit this part out anyhow um yeah i'm not certain if if they were ever like specifically together together but i'm i'm assuming that they had to have done something there's actually a, a great story about um you know the how she became so popular and like what her stage show ended up becoming um she originally kind of started working 
uh, at these like speakeasies, and her, as her act became more popular, she uh, kind of had her. Um, they had this one club that they basically retooled entirely around her, uh, and really? she would be she'd be on the stage basically all night long. They like said that she rarely took breaks between her songs. Just like stamp off She along. just was like, that was it. Yeah. She, people came to see they her. They came to see and her. She... And she was like surrounded by um, a bunch of drag queens like on stage. That that was her, like her wow. background sort of like. Uh, Harlem was crazy. Harlem was crazy back then. I mean, she also uh, was like very, very open about her being a lesbian. I mean, she she spoke in length about it to Ebony Magazine in like the 40, the 30s uh, or the 40s or something like that. So, I mean, she was. Like one, she got married to like a white lady in Atlantic City, um, and I mean that one was kind wow. of people were back go back and forth about whether or not that was um, a thing or not. Um, but yeah, she was. Let me see where this is. She was big through the twenties and into the thirties as like prohibition sort of died down uh, and the Great Depression kind of ending. Um, they she kind of ended up moving out to Los Angeles by the late 30s uh and she still became very pretty pretty successful uh because essentially after World War II was over the west coast became like the, the gay spot obviously largely because of a bunch of you know GIs after the war kind of just staying there and building communities in Los Angeles and San Francisco so she kind of became uh she stayed, you know, pretty relatively successful through that the the sort of like the the proliferation of gay bars on the West Coast, mm. um, which was great for her um, because she carved out a, a pretty like successful niche for herself in um, in that uh, in that community. There were some like really great like lesbian bars. Uh, one particular in Los Angeles called Joaquin's El Rancho that she was very perform uh, um, successful at. Uh, and then Mona's, which is a club that I mentioned earlier, um, that she uh, was that was in San Francisco that she got, you know, um, that she stayed regularly booking um, throughout the time that she throughout her life until she died in 1960. Um, oh, so she was pretty young when yeah. she died. Well, she was 60, almost 60. When did she? She was born 1907. Yeah. So she was like in her early, in her 50s. early 50s. Um. Yeah, um, but she, uh, she like I said, she was that. She had a lot of, of songs that uh, I'll play another one of her songs called Groundhog Blues. That uh, is probably her most well known song, uh, that's recorded at least. But again, like her, her, her big contribution to music, specifically to blues, was really in her live show uh, and really kind of um, being this really definitive like strong black woman who you know defied all these gender norms and always kind of like presented didn't necessarily view her didn't obviously view herself as a man but like presented herself in, in really masculine uh attire which was pretty revolutionary at the time because there weren't really any other any other women specifically in blues that were kind of doing what she was doing mm. and doing so very openly about you know being a lesbian but also kind of uh in, you know, having this very queer stage show with, with drag queens and and, and everyone else kind of in, involved and um, yeah, she was, she was kind of a boss. Mm-hmm. 
keep a whole man in this world by yourself. I'm a low-down dog if some groundhog ain't been rooting round my back door. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's Gladys Bentley. Wow. Um, so I, I think everyone, um, she's obviously never heard of us, not so. someone that many people know at all. Yeah. Um, but she was a total fucking badass. Yes. And just like um, the unfortunate part was by the end of her life, she had kind of succumbed to societal pressures and was trying to denounce like everything that she was in the past, as yeah. a lot of people were doing at the time. Uh, oh, there was, I mean, but things got so conservative. They really did. It's uh, very weird. It's it, weird how like history is repeating itself. <laughs> yes, that. <laughs> it's weird how progress is always. There's always like a, a digression. Take. Yeah, that follows. It's just. It's insane to see, uh, especially like to to know like especially like in the Harlem Renaissance years when you have like people like Langston Hughes and yeah. and, uh, and 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 and. And Gladys Bentley and, and tons of other uh, queer voices that are that are still to this day so important to defining American culture, not just mm. Black culture, but American culture. Yeah, uh, that that sort of the importance of 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 that part of them of of them being celebrated and not being kind of erased from the history books. Like no one, you would never talk about Langston Hughes' sexuality. Uh, in any sort of like context in an educational sense in the United yeah, States, it's true, uh, and it's a shame because like while it did not define who he was by any stretch of the imagination, it's relevant. It's, it's relevant important. because it's important for people. It's important for that visibility to be there, uh, so that it's not demonized, and that it's it's that the sort of output of those of 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 these members of society yeah. uh, will be celebrated as such, and that and that young people can learn about the contribution of queer people to culture and absolutely uh it's just yeah it's and the importance of queer identity in culture you know like it 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 is absolutely like like stupid that like you can erase that part of someone's identity when it comes down to the creative output yeah um and that's so much of what happened uh in you know throughout the harlem renaissance and uh, through the um, like the like even like even down to like even in like mainstream culture and like the beat poets like so much of that gets erased too mm-hmm. you know like um, queer identity is an important part of 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 shaping culture the, as, the visibility as a, for yeah. queer artists in the music industry now is just it's like it's weird it's astronomically low yeah think about it. yeah <clears throat> yeah. It's, it's just it's crazy. Weird. It is weird to see, like, when you really take a step back to see, like, not just, like, obviously, like, queer representation in music, but female representation in music, too. Like, it's just, like, it's such, like, in a... hip-hop. Like, it, like there's is it? no... None. None. And, and, and in 2017, you know, like... Uh, it, Except for this young butch... What's her name? Young M.A. Yes. Yeah, which is great. She's giving me all of the butch realness. Yeah, she's great. Um, but I mean, these, it, it's changing. I, I, I know, I think, especially like when, when we're talking about like mainstream top 40 hip hop, yeah, definitely like that's, that's a hard cycle to break. But obviously I think like queer hip hop is, is very successful. There are a lot of people that I know that are able to, yeah. they've been able to sort of, you know, carve out their and own space some, and representation. Some really some great, really great, yeah. great music. Cakes uh, to Killa. Yeah. Cakes is great. Leif, um, yeah. Young M.A. obviously like. 
um, tons of people um, who are... And actually doing some of the real, like, most clever, witty... Yeah. Uh, Great music. I yeah. mean, like, music that, like, people are... <laughs> like, like popular people are biting their shit now. You know, yeah. like... Um, um, but anyhow, um, that is... That's my L, L portion. I guess cool. we can keep That's talking great. about it. I mean, I, I'm glad <laughs> yeah. to know. So yeah, Gladys Bentley. Look Gladys her up. Bentley. Listen to some music. Um, she's got like probably an album or two available on like iTunes and Spotify and Apple Music and stuff. So get into it. Cool. Yeah. Thanks, Gladys Bentley. Thanks, Gladys. So, um, so I decided to go with someone. I actually went with two people that I know, and I went with somebody for gay that, um, it to me is just like so, so, so incredibly talented, and just has a voice from heaven, and is oftentimes um, overlooked, and certainly uh, like underrated. Yeah. Um, and he's. Not only he's he's just an incredible vocalist, he's an amazing songwriter, and um, he's a great guy. And his name is Rasan Patterson. Yes. And he had a, he's had a very interesting life and a very interesting career because mm-hmm. he actually started on Kids Incorporated. Yeah, really, I didn't know he was on Kids Incorporated. He was, yeah, he was the kid <sighs> on Kids Incorporated. He was a he was a hugely integral part of that show. So he, I mean, he grew up with what Martika. And Fergie and uh, not Ryan Gosling. He was on Disney, but yeah, he was in. He was. You know him. I, mean, I he, know. I like. I just didn't ever like. Yeah. What that is, Rasan. That's crazy. So not only did has he like made such amazing music. Hang on, in his I gotta look life. up this photo. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna play to. some of it. Okay. Um, so yeah, he was on Kids <laughs> Incorporated, which I mean, for anybody that's like listening overseas or is like. Born in 1997, <laughs> Kids Incorporated was a like kids show in the 80s. Uh, how that did was, I like? I obviously like, know this. Like, how did yeah. I never? Con- that's fucking crazy. How did I never connect that? It's crazy. So, Kids Incorporated. I guess I would describe it as like sort of like a Mickey Mouse Club. It was like but less a bit whack. cooler. Yeah. Less, yeah. Yeah. It was like a bit like more like. Urban. urban. It was. Yeah. It was like. It was like, was like a. It was like an Mickey urban Mouse Mickey Mouse Club. That's literally the best way to call it. <laughs> and um, so it was like it was like the, like the Mad TV to like yes. SNL. Yes, exactly. Or yeah, it had a bit more flavor. It had a little bit more flavor. And yeah. um, I mean, but it was still corny as fuck. It was fuck. still corny. Absolutely. But, um. So that blow. How the fuck did I not know this? Let's That's take a crazy. listen to him, doing um, a cover of. He's so shy by Pointer Sisters, which they changed to "You're so shy." <laughs> but a sign of things to come. Oh my god! Hey, come on, Rashawn. This newsy outfit. This is every. I have not seen the show in so long. Hey. You're so shy. So shy. 
Okay. Man, I, I love feel, that song. Anyway, so the point great. is this version. I mean, that, <laughs> Shout that, out to that, the I love, yes, yes, love that song. Oh man. Um, so yeah, and then he was he was on Star Search as a child. I like last year's Junior Star Search special. Oh my god. He did that after beating out some very talented youngsters in an open call here in Los Angeles. He parlayed his championship into regular appearances oh, on the series Kids Inc. Volume. That's a lot of hair. Patterson. How many bundles do you think were in there? <laughs> it's just a bump it, I just think. Just a bump and some it? hairspray. It's no, oh, I guess so. Tease, tease, tease. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm a hero. Maybe I'm a clown. Come on, Rashawn. Who knows why? Anyway. <laughs> Who knows why your world is upside down? I certainly don't. Tell me. So, yeah, so that was where he. He began, and then um, uh, in the, in uh, the '90s, like oh, actually, but then he was then he was more known as a songwriter. Mm-hmm. And maybe you don't know this, but he wrote this song. No, he did not. You sure the fuck did? What? Oh. Hey. I did not know this for you. Baby, baby, baby. Oh, what? Don't you know that you're so fine? Baby, 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 baby. All the time. Yes, it's time to say, baby, baby. How you make me feel. Anyway, that's I did what Brandy the from her fuck. debut album. Yeah. How do, uh, then um, not, I don't know why. Like I don't know any of this information. Like at all. This is crazy. Because queer history. That's it. That's a goddamn <laughs> shame. Wow. Um, then he went on to uh, write this song for Tevin Campbell, who another queer artist. Absolutely. And also, to me, one of the most career. like heartbreaking stories in the entire music industry. Without a doubt, because I think he, like, his voice is Butter. beyond. It's ridiculous. It's you beyond. can't you can't deny it. Yeah. I mean, everybody everybody like loves Tevin Campbell's voice. Like, you can't. It's just a it's, stunning, it's stunning sick. voice. It is disgusting and that he was like just. As he like matured through puberty, it became like pretty obvious that he was like uh, gay. Yeah, and soups like urban radio just like turned on him. And I re- actually remember as a child listening to one of the stations out here in LA. I think it was maybe like Power One Hundred Six mm-hmm. in the mid nineties, and like they were just like straight up calling him a faggot and which is bananas. It's crazy. Yeah, it it, it and I think it scarred. The, and especially when you think about like what followed in like the late nineties, early two thousands. It's like uh, hyper masculine. Hyper masculine, like and <clears throat> and really kind of removed this because I mean like there have been like black like successful black gay men in the music industry for, for a long time. Yeah. Um I mean no one talked about no Luther. No one talked about Luther, no one talked about um um I don't know who else I'm thinking about right now besides Luther, but there's just a lot, and then lot. also not to mention but all like the ones that music, butched it up, yeah, and just it got um, through it. But like from like from Luther to Sylvester to um, all kinds of different people who were who were able to like 
you know, be successful in that industry. And some that never and some that never came you know, out came out anything. at all. Um, but also just to like for like there to just be zero space for them all of a sudden in R and B music. I mean like Little Richard, like all yeah. there's been there's just been a gay black man involved in R and B music for since it started. Uh, and that kind of like Especially, like, it's so shitty that, like, that neo-soul movement, nothing, like, there was just so little queer visibility going on mm. that followed after Tevin Campbell just because I think so many people were, like, afraid to, like, live that life or that truth because of how, like, dis- like how, like, he much he was torn apart by, like, yeah. black and media. Yeah, and really suffered. A lot. And, um, but, but just such a talent, like, uh, like heartbreakingly talented. And he gave us talented. the so, classic Goofy movie uh, oh, songs. of like, The House Down. Sang. <laughs> so sang this, this is from his second album, which was, like, incredible yeah. and, like, kind of shafted because people suck. Um, but Rasan wrote this and he's singing all the backing vocals and his just tone is just... I love this song. I bought the single. No, actually, it was a CD single. (laughs) (laughs) And I would just play it on repeat. And again. And again. And again. And again. One more time. (laughs) Giving you those 90s Korg sounds. Yes. Just. Hey. on with these BBs right now. <laughs> Wait. Uh. Come on now. This is him. Sing. <laughs> That's him. Oh, yes. I mean, if you don't really know Tevin Campbell, Get please. The fuck into it. It's just like he's got so many good songs. He had like Babyface producing, and Prince wrote him some of his material, and like he was on track to take over the fucking world. Yeah. I thought. Um, He's one. He, yeah. I think a lot of people should like get into some Tevin Campbell. Please. I, I also just feel like that sound is coming so back so strong. Yeah. Uh, Those kind of jams, that like it's very like adult sounding kind yeah. of New Jack Swing. Yeah. Like, but yeah, it was just those sa- those keyboard sounds are very hip right now too. Oh, All yeah. those Korg M1 and Wave stations. I've been using a lot of those on my new album. And I've been listening. Uh, I just because I was just talking new. to somebody about like um, SZA's new album. Uh, Control, which yes, just came which, out. Which congratulations fucking, to her. Oh, gosh, I mean, such a good that, record. Talk about, like, a yes, comeback. I mean, of, I mean, she never... She, not that she... But she, but the she industry... Just, she was like, like, yep, that's mine. Yeah. I'll, I'll come here. I, I think, like, she... Because she's just been so held back for the a The industry while. has been, like, fucking with her. For a long time. Yeah. But what a, what a fantastic fuck you to everybody. Yes. Uh, with all of the bundles. All of the bundles. <laughs> so much. <laughs> so much. Um, but... 
Yeah, like that song. She's got a track on there called "The Weekend." That's very much so in line with that. Like, 90s. I need to get into the album. I've just kind of skimmed it, and I, I need to like. Oh yeah, sit I mean, down. I dug into that one pretty hard. Um, but yeah, I mean that. Like all that to say, like that sound is coming way back. Yeah, that kind of like grown and sexy, like yes, nineties like yeah. ballad sound. It's so good. I'm all about it. I'm here for it all day. So <laughs> so he's so he's a great songwriter. And vocal arranger, and just his tone is just incredible. He was signed to um, MCA Records in, I think, around 96, 97. And his debut album, self-titled album, which is the only one of his records that I that is not on iTunes for some reason, but the video is on is on uh, Apple Music. Nice. Which is... Weird. Very bizarre. Um, so this is one of his first singles. I just love his voice. He's got such a great voice. I mean, yeah. I like. I haven't. I don't even think I've listened to that album. And it's a great I don't album. Even know how long? Yeah. yeah. Um, the single charted at um, number fifty-three on the Hot R&B charts, and the album got you know some attention. And mm-hmm. but his follow-up, Love and Stereo, uh, received like you know breakout yeah. Yeah. like reviews and. Yeah. Um, and on that album, he worked with Van Hunt, was one of the collaborators, Love Van Hunt. and Jamie Jazz, who's an, actually yeah. an Australian guy. Really? Um, the album peaked at uh, number 50 on the album's charts and produced, oh, It's All Right Now, Love This Song. Mm. Yes. I'm <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
has the range. He does have the range. That song gives me such Stevie vibes yeah. every time. Yeah. It sounds really classic. Yeah. Like it gives it's, it reminds me of like Rose Royce and like mm-hmm. that era where people had full, you know, orchestras and strings and yeah. horns and just lush productions. Mm. Um it's a great produ- like brilliantly produced album. Um then he left MCA and started his own Oh, BT dubs. He was on the Brown Sugar soundtrack, which yes. I forgot. Um which I forgot that song was on really? the Brown Sugar soundtrack. <laughs> and then I also, like, they don't make, no one makes romantic comedies anymore. They don't. It's like. They don't sell anymore. It's dead. It's well, over. I was reading this article about why romantic comedies aren't really made anymore. I think it's largely because people. Um, are dead inside. They're dead inside, but also, <laughs> like, every, like, romantic comedies, like, are so heavily scrutinized as being problematic for, like, reinforcing, like gender norms and stereotypes and all kinds of bullshit and um i think people just don't like watching them so much anymore which is weird because like who doesn't love a rom-com also the way in which we interact and romance is so is so different i mean no one's like going on blind on the internet like i literally met my boyfriend on tinder yeah and it's crazy (laughs) to think like if you like like that would be half of the movie it's just like Swiping, ep- swiping. Like, sitting oh, on the toilet, swiping. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Brown sugar. Brown sugar. Oh, Spot God. two. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, this is him. Um. Mm. Which that movie was from 2002, and I don't know why I thought it was earlier than really? that. Really? No, yeah. it's a very early to the early aughts uh, movie. This moment to arrive I saw it coming back Some miles and I'm so glad you So anyway, that was on this um, This is, and then he, so he started his own label This was the first album, uh, Wines and Spirits Um, Yes, I love this album Yeah, that he released through his own label This feels good. This is Stop Breaking My Heart. Stop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but that's a great song, too. Just go and listen Ugh. to some Rasan Patterson. Um, just vocals, vocals, range, range, tone, songs, all of it. Yeah, yep. Um, so that's my G. Woohoo! Um, and he's always been like openly gay. Yeah, he's yeah. never, you know, it's never really been something that he like tried to cover up. Yeah, which is 
so commendable, specifically like in the time in which he was, because we were just talking about like yeah. late nineties, early two thousands. Like nobody was doing that, and yeah. like, it's really great to see that. You know, he was like a shining example of just like just not, being who you just are, being who you authenticity, are. authenticity. He's just very, like, he's like an uninhibited, authentic yeah. artist, and makes great is, fucking music. Yeah, he's also very, very well respected, admired, and loved within like the singer singing community. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you know loved by patty and yeah. shaka and yeah. you know was really close with layla hathaway and yeah. those kind of those those singers. voices the, sang- the sangers yeah. the sangers yeah <laughs> so yeah Rasan. yeah great um um so uh for the b section so obviously, I think for for so Biden, you got B got for B what reason? Because I am a B. <laughs> I know you're like kind of. I always forget that you're a bisexual. I think I don't a, lot, know why. a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, forget it, or, or they. It's either a forgotten thing or a not. Uh, Bi erasure. Exactly, a thing. it's a thing. <laughs> so for bisexual, pansexual, which is more specifically what I would describe myself to, but. Um, I think there's a lot of people in the music industry that attach themselves to this particular label. Right. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that at all, because I think that there are far, far more bisexual people than are willing to admit it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I hope that it can be expo- like an exploitative. Yeah, absolutely. Thing. I think, um, especially like women in the music industry are often sort of told to like exploit that. Exploit that as a means to say like, oh, would you? Would you make out with a girl? Let her finger you or whatever. Yeah, sure, whatever. Okay, so we're gonna say like you're you're bisexual and we'll just run with it. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it's an interesting thing like in the music industry, like bisexuality, whether uh, when it comes to gender, uh, because like if you're a woman, it's a very powerful tool. Uh, if you are a man, it's not necessarily something that people get down with. Um, which is which is crazy that like bisexuality within a female sense is seen as empowering. Uh, and something that like denotes a woman uh, of you know like strength and and things of that nature. And whereas if somebody were to sort of like come out as being bisexual, uh, for the most part, uh, and you're a man, it's something that people would either not believe or they would deem mm. you to be uh, in a lot of ways uh, weak. Yeah, uh, it's so true. And people often like. Will say, oh, you're just gay, and yeah. you just, you just don't know. You don't want to say, and that is also a thing. That's a very much so a thing. It's without a doubt a very real thing. I think, uh, especially, and it's something that I don't know. I, I know that a lot of people that would, you know, subscribe to that to to being bisexual or, or b- rather bothered by it, and it's a sensitive subject mm. uh, because I think a lot of people are. Um, you don't want to have to defend yourself. Yeah, against, it's disrespectful. It's disrespectful because you get it from both angles. You get it from straight people and you get it from gay people as well. They're like, yeah. oh, yeah, whatever. You just don't know what you're doing yet. And it makes sense because a lot of people in in their quest to figuring out themselves like kind of start there. And I think that's that makes total sense. Um, I think that uh, sexuality is obviously on a very, very varied s- spectrum. So yeah. as you kind of get more attuned with like who you are and what you are, you you have to you go on that journey. And I think that you can't really fault it's, people for it, particularly. But yeah. it does it does make this stigma and the like sort of like bi sure a real yeah. thing. Um, and a lot of the bisexual people that I'm friends with. Uh, not in the closet as bisexual, but sort of 
don't, don't talk about don't it proclaim much. it yeah. and, and it's weird that some of them actually more kind of are in like queer circles mm-hmm. and some of them are more like straight identifying bisexuals who's kind of their 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 um identity mm-hmm. is reading more as straight yeah no for sure i mean i think that it's uh, you you have they're presenting, uh, they're presenting more, more straight, more straight. Um, and some present more gay more gay yeah, yeah. no i think it, and it it's it's uh it's an interesting thing that I think a lot of people who don't necessarily like identify as being like we a lesbian. We love a label, don't we? Yeah, I mean, but <laughs> it, it's just crazy because, you know, like if you don't identify as being like a lesbian or being gay in general, like I think and you're kind of in that middle ground, it's a really hard thing to kind of figure out uh, where you sit at. Uh, and I think a lot of times, especially when like, people ask you questions like, well, you know, like which one do you lean towards more or whatever? It's like and, being mixed race. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it, it, it doesn't always work that way. For some people, yeah. it does have that. You sort are of, the race you, that you look yeah, like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I I picked a person whom I think kind of fits in that. that uh, oh, my God. That who is it? It's uh, I picked Clive Davis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Um, oh my god Clive Davis so Clive Davis um, came out publicly uh, as bisexual probably like a few years ago when he wrote his book when he wrote his book uh, what is it called again um Conversations with myself or something. Oh, it's soundtrack to my of my life. Um, <laughs> Conversations with myself. That's a, yeah. I mean, he's like always been sort of. I think maybe I don't know if the public know, but in the, the industry, music industry, everyone's known always known. Like he he's like with screws he's, everybody. Yeah, he does. Um, if you don't know, I mean, obviously, Clive Davis is not necessarily a musician. He's just a record executive who is responsible for literally yeah. anybody and everybody. Yeah. Um, like high on his roster: Whitney Houston, Bruce Springsteen, Alicia Keys. Uh, Janis Joplin, uh, so many people uh, that he touched uh, and really. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> he did touch a lot of people. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's been married. He was married to, uh, twice married to a lady, and then uh, the, uh, also uh, has been in two monogamous relationships with men, most recently, probably still in one, uh, and has kind of been bisexual, as he said, since like the 70s. Um, and is, is, you know, even though he didn't say anything about it until very late in life, what he has said about it is, I think, really great. And just kind of saying how, um, I kind of, where's the quote I want to have that he says, you know, um, uh, he had an interview with Katie Kirk where, right when his, um, album came out, when his album, his book came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that, um, he didn't necessarily consider himself bisexual until the end of his second marriage in 1985, despite the fact that he had kind of started experimenting with men in the in the late 70s. Uh, and that, you know, when his second marriage ended, he opened himself up to the possibility that he could have a relationship with a man as well as the one that he had with a woman. Uh, it was clear about the fact that he's still attracted to women and that you don't have to be one thing or the other. For me, it's the person. Uh, and that uh, he hoped that him coming out uh, uh, would lead to greater understanding of bisexuality. And that it does exist. And for over 50 years, uh, he was like, it does exist. It for me. For over 50 years, I never had sex with a man. I wasn't repressed. I had very good sexual relations with women. He's not lying. It was very clear about doing that. And, and it's a shame that I felt like he felt like he needed needed to say all of that. Because I think he just felt like he had to like kind of like argue his case. And uh, I, I, mean, I look, wish more people, people just... People don't hear things. Yeah. It's true. That people need... Things need to be re- repeated... Redundantly over and, over, yeah. and endlessly, like yeah. 
Yeah, you know, I, I agree with that. But also, part of me just feels like I don't think you need to explain yourself because you don't That's necessarily. Need, I don't think you need to defend your sexuality. Absolutely, I, I, re- I refuse to do it. Yeah, um, and I think I wish more people would because I think that would, there's a lot of freedom in realizing that you don't owe anybody an explanation. Yeah, you know, especially I think because I know that there's a lot of people who, you know, maybe have identified themselves as gay or identified themselves as lesbian in the past, and they're, they're like, have these interests and urges for something else. And I think that's kind of what he was talking about, is saying, you know, like, I just realized I could do this because I've, I've had it, and, I, and I'm fine with it, and yeah. I'm going to go try that out, and I don't necessarily need to explain that to anybody. Um, people so, just love to classify people. It's very true. Um, but also people love to be classified. So That's true. That's, uh, that's, um, yeah. that's a thing. But anyhow, let's get into more of who Clive Davis is outside of uh, who he's having sex with. Um, <laughs> he is, he's Clive Davis. He's like, I don't know how, how you'd begin to he's like. one of the greatest, most important like record executives, producers. In the history ever. of music and, and the American sense he's le- He is straight he's up a legend. legend. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of a class act. Absolutely. You I know, mean, just as somebody that everyone has respected, like, yeah. since forever. Like, I don't think anybody, not many people have, neg- I mean, there are negative things that people can say about anybody, but, like, yeah. he's just been a well-respected, oh, well-regarded, like yeah, uh, sort of member of the recording industry since he started and um, really did a lot. Um, you can say that uh, Clive, he's from New York. Um, he graduated from Harvard Law. He was a lawyer. Oh, wow. Actually, uh, and joined Columbia Records as a legal counsel. And then wow. ended up becoming the president of the record label somehow. Uh, and he um, is responsible, like I said, for signing so many people. His One of his like first uh, big um, pop uh, sort of signings was a British folk rock group named Donovan. Oh, um, yeah. Me. I know Don. Yeah, they were kind of like surfy. Yeah. Like, Let me get this song up that he did for Donovan. Kind of like folky. Yeah. Um, Your Sunshine Superman. Through my window today, could have tripped out DC, but I've changed my way. It'll take time, I know it, but in a while, you're gonna be mine. I know it, we're doing it in style. So yeah, that's Donovan. Uh, they were pretty successful. They were like one of his first, like I said, signings that um, kind of went a lot of places for him. He's like sort of, I guess, the thing that the person who's earliest person that kind of I think he was really responsible for that uh, became like a gigantic star was Janis Joplin. Mm. Um, yeah, I didn't know that that he he signed her. He yeah, signed he her. found her at the Monterey Pop Festival in June of 1967. When um, did he find her? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> was she conscious? She was conscious. It's funny though, um, because Janis Joplin, Joplin, who is also uh, uh, bisexual, um, they said there's an interesting story of him and her uh, that she suggested that they 
uh, seal the deal of her signing her record contract with like having sex, and he was just like, "I'm good, I'm married, you know, like I don't really necessarily need that." And she's like, oh, "Wow, oh, okay, cool, whatever." And then, okay, man, it's fine. It's all totally fine. Peace. Um, so there's some really. I always great... call her Jackie Jorm Jorm. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really cute little uh, clip. I've got a handful of like uh, little little um, quotes from. Uh, Clive that I wanted to play along with some of the songs I wanted to cover for him. Just a few songs. Um, uh, this first one is Peace of My Heart by Janis Joplin. Uh, and there's a really interesting story that Clive tells about when he first met uh, Janis. Jackie Jorm Jorm. <laughs> first met Jackie Jorm Jorm. If you watch 30 Rock, you'll Peace of My reference. Heart by Janis Joplin. Peace of My Heart was the likeliest singles candidate from the Cheap Thrills album. The song is a soulful burner that Janice delivered with devastating power. There was one problem. The album version ran longer than four minutes, and it simply didn't repeat the chorus often enough to drive it home. So what I did, I personally worked with the tape editor to bring the chorus in one more time, Mm -hmm. and then we shortened the instrumental passage. Piece of My Heart became a big hit record, and it was that record that helped drive the album to number one. Wow. Um, but yeah, so Janice was that from his audiobook? Um, there's actually a um, um, the soundtrack of my life audiobook had this commentary like oh, that's supplemental cool. like album, and he kind of talks about like some of his hits, uh, his biggest hits in signees. Um, the other one from his like early years that um, I am like a gigantic fan of is uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Um, he was largely responsible for navigating them through their most successful years uh, with, like, the release of uh, the Graduate soundtrack, which uh, oh, yeah. Paul was tasked with, um, um, what the fuck is the word I'm looking for? The score. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, and he uh, talks a little bit about one of the best tracks on that album, uh, Sounds of Silence. Or The Sound of Silence, sorry, rather. I think of so many things when I think of Simon and Garfunkel. To me, they were the American Beatles. It was an amazing run that they had. But I took over uh, Columbia Records when they were breaking with their single of The Sound of Silence. And, you know, one hit followed another. And then Paul was contracted to write the score for the graduate and, you know, this was to be a very big movie. And, of course, it turned out to be a classic movie. And I remember right before it coming out, I was looking into, is there a soundtrack there? And I was told, no, there's just a few Simon and Garfunkel songs, the only new song. And it would be done in part was a song called 
Mrs. Robinson, but they were going to put into the film the great record of The Sound of Silence as well as Parsley, Sage, Rosemary, and Thyme. <laughs> I mean, this is Hello, classic. Darkness, classic. Friend. I've come to talk with you again Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain Still remains So, I mean, you can't go wrong with Simon and Garfunkel, number one uh, But more specifically, the soundtrack to The Graduate Which is like probably my favorite I always forget, and it's so obvious, that Mrs. Robinson comes from that movie yeah. for obvious reasons, but <laughs> yes. I f- always forget. That they, they, they did that. Yeah, that, that it comes that from it that comes movie. That it comes from that movie, yeah. It's, uh, so those are kind of his early ones. Uh, he, obviously, like I said, he's responsible for um, for for Bruce um, and Patti Smith uh, because A Night was a oh, track wow. that he produced, Sly and the Family Stone's Everyday People. Wow. Uh, Mandy by Barry Manilow. Um he uh who just came out who did he he came out last year oh yeah i forgot about that yeah that was a shocker (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) uh tlc creep he's responsible for um obviously his most important and sort of biggest signing is whitney Whitney. uh he is largely responsible for making her like the biggest selling female artist of all time um and basically like made her career what it is uh they were super close um, he picked a lot of great songs for her he really did i know he was really instrumental in like song selection yeah i mean i know that he he like i said like you he, he absolutely guided her career from the beginning yeah. um and did so really well i mean i think he noticed obviously that she had like a crazy talent uh and immediately picked her up but it's just bananas like from the very beginning, you like you give good love. How will mm. I know? Um, I want to dance with somebody. I will always love you. Like he picked all of these songs for her and connected her with all the right people. He is responsible for the Star Spangled Banner. Like oh my god, um, the only version of that song. The only version that matters. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Clive was that bitch uh, in <laughs> uh, with regard to like his record label. Um, let me get into a bit more of like stuff. Um, he oh, another great track that I have to play that he's responsible for is like the rebirth of Carlos Santana in oh the early two thousands. He that produced song, Supernatural, that album sold millions, like millions, millions, like twenty five million or something. Yeah. Santana, like he is like there's actually. Let me just play a little bit of a clip because he's talking about when he first. We was talking to Carlos Santana, who he actually signed originally back in the '70s with his original group, you know, with Black Magic Woman, and mm. and and uh, we were really big in the '70s, uh, and he kind of fell off uh, of not fell off musically, but just like popularity waned over like the '80s and into the '90s, and he uh, this little clip of Clive talking about um, what came of his meeting with uh, with Carlos Santana that produced Supernatural. One of the most satisfying creative challenges I've ever had was the rebirth of Carlos Santana. 
Here I had signed the original group, maybe it was the third or fourth artist that I ever signed when I was head of Columbia. And it was 25 years later. And I saw Carlos with his new band at Radio City Music Hall. I was knocked out. It was the time that a few other Hispanic artists were breaking. I hadn't spoken. I really went out of nostalgia. I hadn't spoken to Carlos. But we did agree to meet in my bungalow at the Beverly Hills Hotel, which <laughs> we did the following week. And I met with him and his then-wife, Deborah. And he said he had been to a spiritual advisor. And he wanted to be on the radio again. And the advisor said, well, who were you connected with in your life that ever, you know, became synonymous for you with being on the radio? And he said, my name. And the advisor said, seek him out. Get connected with him again. So Carlos put the question to me, would you be interested? I said, Carlos, I'd be interested. I've given a lot of thought. I thought we might get to this. Are you hungry? He said, yes. So. Wow. Um, what came out of that was Supernatural. Um, so I, I think the big first big hit out of that was Smooth featuring oh Rob God. Thomas. Relentless. From Matchbox 20. Uh, it was everywhere. <laughs> Have you seen that uh, T-shirt? Um and it's just like the ocean under the moon. It's the same as the emotion that I get from you. I got the kind of Latin bit. Hey, okay. Hang on. I'd rather be listening. Oh, you've got some ad that popped up. Oh, no. <laughs> I'd rather be listening to Smooth by Santana featuring Rob Thomas. No, you forgot. I'd rather uh, be listening I can't see to, that far. It says, I'd rather be listening to Grammy Award winning 1999 <laughs> hit Smooth by Santana featuring Rob Thomas of Matchbox 20. <laughs> it's on front of a shirt, and it's so true. But that's not the song that I wanted to play, because I wanted to play my favorite track from this album, which is also my number one karaoke jam. Uh-uh. Uh, Maria, Maria. Oh, <laughs> wow. Which has yes. actually come back in style now with this uh, DJ Khaled track, Wild Thoughts. Yeah, I, which is basically a step and repeat, but a far inferior version of it. Maria, Maria. She reminds me of a West Side story. Growing up in Spanish Harlem She's living a life just like a movie star oh, Maria, Maria Loving East L.A. To sounds of the guitar, yeah, yeah Played by who? Played by Carlos Santana Anyways, that is my shit. Um, but yeah, so he's responsible for that smash hit, which was like the number one selling album of 99, I, I'd probably assume. I'm sure. It was fucking yeah, everywhere. It um, was. So yeah. beyond that, um, hang on, where were we at? Um, what was I just talking about? He signed Alicia Keys. Signed Alicia not Keys, long after not that. long after that, with Fallen, uh, which was like a gigantic gigantic hit as well um which he has a little bit about uh he was talking about how he 
um, found her and just gave her plenty of time to just like work on whatever album she wanted to do, which was kind of really great and pretty unprecedented for someone's debut record for him for him just to be like so hands off he's like i just trusted her sound and Mm. just let her do what she wanted to do and then she came back with this and i was like this is it um and that's what came of you know like fallen fallen. which was a gigantic smash hit So just quickly, just run through some stuff, some really fun facts about uh, Clive Davis. He actually got fired from CBS Records uh, for allegedly using company funds to bankroll his son's bar mitzvah. <laughs> yes. Uh, and when was that? That that was in, like the, in the 80s. 70s. Oh, in the 70s. Uh, and then he, I'm sure they regret that. He took. Well, the funny thing is, after that, he founded Arista. Uh, which became a gigantic record label where he signed Aretha Franklin, Dionne Warwick, Barry, and Patti Smith. Obviously, also Whitney Houston. Um, and I think you mean Arista. Uh, Ar- Arista. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Fuck, we had this conversation already. Arista Records. Uh, and uh, he also founded the Face Records, which was yes. home of TLC, Usher, Pink. Uh, he did that in, in collaboration with L.A. Reid and Babyface. He also was responsible for helping found Bad Boy Records, uh, which obviously is the home of Biggie, Puffy, uh, and the rest of those dudes. Uh, in 2000, he left Arista and uh, founded... Arista. I think you mean Arista. Arista. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then founded J Records, uh, which is where oh, Alicia yeah. Keys was found, was uh, signed Luther Vandross, Rod Stewart, uh, like he just he's been everywhere. Um, he was inducted to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2000. He also has his own star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Um, he has won four Grammys as a producer and uh, is like in uh, the like I said in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a non-performer, which not that many people are in there. Yeah, as that's that. true. Um, so yeah, I mean that's Clive Davis, legendary dude, um, uh, and. Uh, a dude whom not many people I think in the it's public so knew. It's so crazy that Clive Davis is part of the LGBT community. I know too. you just would never like never classify him as such. Like, yeah, which is weird because maybe it's just because he's like always it's at least for our he's generation, so it's always been old, and so yeah. you just don't necessarily think, you know, like and but old obviously people have not, sex. Yeah, but obviously <laughs> no, also just, not like just kidding. We yeah, know you, we know y'all freaky. Y'all are nasty. <laughs> y'all is nasty. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, you, it's weird to think that he's a part of that crew. Yeah. Of, of the of the of not that crew, the crew. Um, our crew. Our crew. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So that's Clive Davis. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. Loved it. <laughs> I mean, yes, Clive Davis. Okay, so that brings us to T. Okay, so uh, that will bring us to the letter T. And um, for that, I've p- picked another friend of mine, uh, Nomi Ruiz, who is yeah, she's amazing and. 
She is an American new disco singer, songwriter, producer. She's from Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. Brooklyn, what, what? Um, She began, she kind of popped onto the scene with Hercules and Love Affairs debut album, Mm -hmm. which is just like a landmark album, in my opinion. Um, also one of the greatest band names. Of, yeah. I mean, Hercules and the Love Affair. Get out so of here. Good. Get out of here. <laughs> F-O-H. F-O-H. Um, she is a phenomenal performer. Like, just love watching her on stage. She's a delight. She's a beauty, true beauty inside and out. And she's, um, we've done some work together and she's just such a great songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um she just has these lyrical concepts that are really unusual and brilliant. So she she started um, in Hercules and Love Affair. She um, sang on the record and she toured with them. And uh, so she had the songs that she had on that record were Hercules theme. Played by Carlos Santana. <laughs> Hercules theme. Let's skip through because it's kind of mostly. She has such an unusual and distinct tone to me. And then uh, this song, You Belong. One of my favorites. That was her work with Hercules. Yes. Um, we actually did some shows together way back then too um, in Europe. And that was Fun. when we first met. Yeah. Um, That's cute. Then um, after Hercules and Love Affair kind of like disbanded mm-hmm. and then reformed as like something else mm-hmm. after that. So she left and started Jessica Six. How many people were involved in the, like from the original to the re-up? for Hercules and Love Affair? Was it like all Oh, only people? Andy. Oh, really? That's yeah. it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, Kim Ann Foxman and mm-hmm. um, and uh, Nomi and the what others. They the all co- well, uh, half the band left and went on to form um, Midnight Magic, mm-hmm. which is a great disco band as well. And Nomi went on to do to start this band, Jessica Six. Um, 
which also known as Yesica Says. Yesica Says. Um, they they have like a rabid fan base. They really do. Like crazy. And um, in like 2011 or 12, when Madonna was um, working on her MDNA album, I believe it was, mm-hmm. she did an interview and they asked her like, what what are you listening to and what's your influence for the new direction? And she said, um, Beth Ditto and Jessica Six. Oh, yeah. So that's kind of epic. That's a, and I actually did a little interview with Nomi and I asked her about that. Cute. But um, I just want to play a couple um, highlights from Jessica Says. You know, I was once like, at, I was at a club somewhere and I think somebody was asking me, they were talking about Jessica Six and I was like, I don't know what that is. And they're like, what do you mean you don't know what Jessica Six is? How do you not know who Jessica, like, just really offended, personally offended by it, just to that note about their rabid fan base. So then, yeah, they're not rabid. And it was like, I've never felt less cool in my life. When so she then was you just did like, your research. And I did my research and like, shit was dope. <laughs> <laughs> love her writing it's yeah. so visual and yeah. it's so hypnotic like i it's don't know it's just really poetic. unexpected yeah. very poetic she's yeah. she's just a great writer and then another one of my favorites which i actually did a remix for called in the heat this is the original Me right in the face, I think I've seen this before. 
badass. That is. I always thought she was saying "fuck you forever" in the heat, but she's saying "fall here forever" in the heat. She later told me so. I like "fuck you forever" in the heat. Yeah, I mean they're both good. They're both good. Um, so she, um, I did a little interview with her via the phone, and she sent me like voice notes back on the iPhone. Um, so her being from Brooklyn, I wanted to know mm-hmm. how that influenced her and shaped her because you know there's just so much great culture and music from mm-hmm. Brooklyn. So this is what she had to say about that. Growing up in Brooklyn, initially I felt a little a little isolated just because I didn't really fit into the like the neighborhood she and the people around like, there. But once I started she's so Brooklyn. to she's so Brooklyn. explore other neighborhoods and also other scenes through music specifically, I it, it was you know, New York in general is a great place for collaboration. You always meet random people from different walks of life who are working on different sounds and it really helped me to to develop my style. And then I wanted to know like what's kind of been inspiring her recently as she was like working on her next project. I'm starting to get re-inspired by sounds of of the past. It's so funny, like I I I was I grew up working on hip hop and freestyle and then I got into dance and uh, now I never thought I'd see the day when like '90s was like coming back, <laughs> and it's it's funny because it's it's really inspiring me once again, and it's great because I have all that you know that resource in my mind, in my history, even like the fashion and just growing up in Sunset Park in Brooklyn and seeing all the you know the real Latin girls who were like super <laughs> developing freestyle just as a culture. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of on that tip right now little freestyle-y, little, little Latin house <laughs> <laughs> And um, she is, like, she's such a cutie pie, and she's such a knockout babe. Um, mm-hmm. And she's, she's like, got this, like, around the way. Yeah. Brooklyn. Super chill. Latina just like, vibe. Yeah. 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 Um, she actually did a Mugler campaign in 2012. She was really? like the face of Mugler Women's Wear, yeah. I didn't know that. Which was amazing, beautiful campaign, up. yeah. Um, and so because she kind of come, you know, came from that like hip-hop and freestyle background, she did this mixtape, um, I believe it was last year, yes, with Dilla great. Beats. So it was um, Nomi versus Dilla. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Uh, yeah, it's a mixtape. It's on SoundCloud only. This was last year? Yeah, and um, I'm just going to play like a little excerpt from that. Faster, but I ain't got a place to go. Oh no, oh oh, it's that 
so yeah, that's Borrow Gypsy was the name of Damn. that project. That was really good. Yeah, it's cool. Um, Borrow Gypsy mixtape volume two, Nomi vs. Dilla. That's on SoundCloud. Um, and I, there was um, also, she's done a lot of um, collaborations with Ellie Escobar, uh, who's like a great New York house DJ producer. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I found as I was looking around was a cover of A Different Corner, which is an old George Michael song. And it's one of the ones I'm actually singing at the opera house when I do my George Michael shows Cute. next month. And um, What are the dates on that again? July something. It's sold out, so I don't know. Cute. Just oh, yeah. if you got tickets, you, you got go, them. girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, a Different Corner. It's, it's one of the songs I'm singing, and I love her version of it. It's really... It's beautiful. That's a beautiful track. Yeah. And I asked her about, like, the fact that Madonna was kind of... Crushing on her. Yeah, yeah. biting on her and yeah. doing that. I did hear that, and it was so exciting when it happened. It was just, like, one, you know, a day when, like, it was in all the press outlets and the blogs, and it was really fun. A lot of, like, my fans were sending it to me, and they were really excited about it, which made me excited. Um Funny thing, I just wish she would have told me in person if it's true. She has my number. (laughs) (laughs) Adorbs. So, yeah, Nomi Ruiz representing um, for the tea. Yay! Yay, Nomi! That was great. And, Um, um, yeah, those uh, those those are our LGBTs. LGBTs. Cute. Um, that was, I love that episode. It's, I think this has been a good conversation. Um, just it was really, I think, well-rounded in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's like. Covered a lot of, co- lot of topics. <laughs> what did I just, wow. <laughs> okay. Whoa. Um, yeah, no, that, I, I enjoy that. Uh, obviously just, obviously it's uh, Pride Month again. Um, and it's important to celebrate these people and their communities, obviously, because I think that uh, their communities kind of help shape who they are as artists uh, and they help shape the community as being artists too so yeah um yeah and as we like enter into this um like fascist totalitarian conservative um bullshit just bullshit just um 
be queer as fuck, you know? Just yeah. don't do that. Just be the gayest version of yourself. Just, just and because. And we need to stick together. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, yeah. I don't know how to. This is so, yeah. I end. mean, thanks again for, <laughs> thanks listening. for listening. Hope you learned something. I definitely did. And if you have any comments or critiques or actually save your critiques. But if you have any corrections um go to context of sound at gmail.com we're also on twitter at context of sound um so hit us up there um yeah well now that we have like uh, uh our uh, musical supervisor we'll probably start having these up on uh spotify and apple music uh shortly so um we will get that handled uh, and yeah. Happy Pride Month, everybody. Happy Pride Month. Great song. left the building already <laughs> girl what are you doing checking your checking your grinder <laughs> no oh god no <laughs> bye everybody bye